Hello, Johnny Horror Heads, and welcome to another episode of the Johnny Horror Podcast. I am your host, Johnny Horror, here to introduce our latest episode in which I talk to my buddy Kelvin Cruz about The Fly 2. We discuss a number of things, including whether or not the film was unfairly judged given the reputation of its predecessor, um, what booze we would drink with the film, and whether or not the flick is an eating movie. So sit back, relax, hope you enjoy the ep, and uh, I will see you motherfuckers on the flip side. Oh, and happy Halloween. To the Johnny Horror Podcast, I am Johnny Horror, and uh, with me tonight, very special guest, Kelvin Cruz. Hello, uh, interwebs. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> Good to have you on, so buddy. Excited. How are you doing? I'm doing very, very well. Um, I've been following you for a long time i i love your enthusiasm for horror your passion for that uh of that you come from kind of a not horror upbringing and then you lived a little sheltered i know a little bit about this guy um but the fact that you kind of fell into it at a later age i myself did a little bit as well and i'm sure we'll talk about that later but so happy to be here i love this film i'm excited to talk about it with you dude Hell yeah, dude. Um, a, just thanks for being a fan of the show. Um, that's great. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. And uh, we have been Instagram buddies for a pipe and hot minute now. So um, it's always nice to be able mm-hmm. to kind of. The grand fam. Yeah, yeah, the grand fam. It is nice to be able to, um, you know, sit down and have a conversation with. Uh, horror buddies on instagram i'm i'm always a, a big fan of doing that so um, cool so uh tonight we are talking about the fly two um this was uh yeah just put a two yeah right there perfect um <laughs> uh this is a flick that you reached out to me to talk about and so I, true. I was pretty pretty pumped about that because i think this might be it's certainly an underappreciated film in regards to film in general um i think it gets a little bit more love from horror fans uh but maybe not as enough uh enough as it deserves but before we jump into the fly two i want to know a little bit about what got you into horror obviously you and any of the you know five or six people that listen to this podcast uh they all there's more than that (laughs) hey you know uh, i usually say i usually say three to four so we're up to five to six so cool we'll get to 10 soon buddy real soon (laughs) real soon uh 
But yeah, everyone knows how I got into it, or more or less that it took some some time getting into it. What about you? What uh, what got you uh, into horror? Interesting for me, I consider my to horror to be Ghostbusters, as I was about two when Ghostbusters came out, and I can remember memories of watching it on VHS as early as three maybe four years old and that terror dog i had like repeating reoccurring nightmares about the terror dog my brother had nightmares about the hands that grabbed sigourney weaver Uh and i was like they're just hands this this is a freaking bold demon dog creature why are you scared of hands you have hands slap a hand away um, that's I consider my introduction. My mom also let me watch Jaws at a very young age. <laughs> um, but really, my first real love of horror was A Nightmare on Elm Street Part Three: The Dream Warriors. I was at my grandmother's house, and my cousin was my cousin Mark. He was watching Part Three on VHS or cable or something. And it was the scene in which Patricia Arquette's going to the faucet to wash her face off after a nightmare. And then the faucets come alive and Freddy's claw comes out and skeleton slits her wrist. And I'm like, Grandma Mark's watching a scary movie. Oh, I shouldn't be watching it. So I ratted my cousin out and told on Freddy. And my grandma had the same kind of faucets, those four prongy things. And I, I, I literally peed outside at her house for like years because I was terrified, but I was fascinated with Freddy, and that was when I fell in love with Freddy. I always loved Gremlins. Gremlins is my favorite Christmas movie. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I always grew up. My dad let me watch naughty stuff like Terminator and Predator and Aliens. Like violence was okay, but for some reason horror was like, no, don't you watch those slashers? And so naturally, I wanted to watch those slashers. And my cousin uh, and my aunt let my cousin watch whatever the hell she he wanted. So I watched everything there. That's good. That's good. Classic. Uh, so with all that said, um, what's your favorite? What's your favorite scary movie? Um, it's. to say generically it's a nightmare on Elm street Three dream Warriors because that's the one that really opened my world to it but i love the exorcist if i had to say like top five it's the dream warriors it's the exorcist it's the fly it's american werewolf in london um oh god i adore evil yeah Dalian. And I like a lot of newer stuff, too. It just gets harder and harder as the years go by to pick a favorite. But my default, we'll just keep it short, A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3. Hey, that's fair. Especially if that was, like, the first one that, that got to you. That's that's a great answer. <laughs> it was my baby. It was my baby. Um, you said The Exorcist. Are you excited for The uh, Exorcist uh, Believer? I'm open to it. I'm going to see it for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually really enjoyed Exorcist the beginning. Um, I enjoy that the fact that there's literally two different movies from the same movie. Like that has never happened. I can't think of a time since or before that that has happened. Like, hey, 
we're going to make a movie. One's going to be called Dominion, and one's going to be called The Beginning. And it's going to be the same movie, but we're going to change a couple characters, a couple actors, a couple plot points, and we're going to release them at the same time. Yeah. Uh, kind of a kind of a unique situation to say. <laughs> what? So, yeah. Um, Exorcist, I'm in. I like yeah. the series. Did you enjoy the series? I watched the first season of the series, and to me, I, I thought that was. I don't think I watched the second. Yeah, I didn't watch the second one, but that that first that first season I thought was uh was actually really really solid, and um so the idea of like this continuation uh happening with the the Chris McNeil character, I'm kind of like, eh, I feel like the they did it really good in the in the series, but I I'm assuming that's not canon, so you know. Uh, is what it is. Um, I have a lot of mixed feelings about David Gordon Green's Halloween trilogy, but um, I really liked Halloween Ends, so he's kind of left me off on a good note, so I feel like I'm in a more positive place yeah, with that. Cool. I mean, we're horror fans. We kind of take it all in stride. Like... Uh... Yeah, like we love that's... we love crappy films. Like my girlfriend's favorite Jaws bat her favorite bad movie is Jaws three, and like that's the kind of stuff we do. We're like, yeah, I know it's not good, but I love it. I'm gonna watch it, and probably too much. I mean, you're talking to the guy that you know just absolutely adores blood rage and silent night deadly night part two like those are hands down nice. holiday watches in in my family now like that those have to be thrown on every thanksgiving and christmas and they are absolutely pathetic in every way shape and form but i i i love them so much so bad business <laughs> Um, I I like to watch um, Halloween three at the beginning of every Halloween season because it gets not enough love, uh, and I think it. I would love. Hey, hey Blumhouse, are you watching Blumhouse? It's time for a Halloween three sequel, season of the witch, part two. We'll pay the second season of the witch. Uh, oh my god, that I would season lose. two. We'll right. watch it as a, a, a prime special. Dude, I'm there. <laughs> I'm there for it. Okay. Uh, hey, you have to pay me, Jason Blum, if you hear that. You bastard. No, I love Blum. Underappreciated sequels. When was the first time you saw The Fly 2? Um, I remember the first time watching it was actually like a Fox... I think it was either a Saturday night movie, like Fox used to do these movies. And of course it's produced by Fox and Mel Brooks. So it, I, I know for a fact it was on Fox and it was a late night watching. And I remember watching the original as a kid, like Love Jeff Goldblum. It was one of the movies my dad showed me that I shouldn't have been watching all yeah, Chucky. That movie's fucking terrifying for a child to watch. I it's it's literally it is I you you asked me my favorite horror movie but while it's hard to narrow it down to one the fly is absolutely one hundred percent the original not the original original but that David Cronenberg the fly is in my top three and I cry every time I watch it because it's a, for me it's a love story and you know that the moment 
his ear falls off and Gina Davis hugs him and presses her face against his melted off ear. If you can do that to somebody, you truly love them. And her terror and their actual chemistry was phenomenal. And I cry every time she blows that motherfucker's head off. Every time. So I got a couple of notes in regards to that. I did uh, a um, movie list years and years ago of kind of like the top five greatest um, movie villain deaths. And you kind of went through breaking down different varieties of you know how they go out and um i talk about uh one of them was the fly too and that that i and i said this recently on a podcast that i don't think there's a more tragic ending for almost any character in all of fiction than uh you know seth brundle in the fly and and um what the Gina Davis character has to do is absolutely heart-wrenching. It is fucking, like, and the movie just ends with her killing him. It just ends right there, and you're like... Yep. Ain't no closure. Yep. You're here. Here's your trauma. Boom! Oh, you're over. Yeah. Um, <laughs> David Cronenberg was like, hey, go digest that, motherfuckers. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, <laughs> I... I mean, I'm not, I'm not breaking any new ground here, but God, it's just such a gut wrenching ending that you're like, dude, like they just don't, they don't make them like that anymore, man. That's, that's some hardcore shit. And really in regards to what you were saying about the, it is a love story. It is, it's a fucking tragedy. And the bit where like the ear falls off and she hugs him, like my wife, who I know just fucking loves the shit out of me even in that scene goes yeah i don't think i could do that i was like yeah i wouldn't want you to do that i wouldn't want you to touch me like just the 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 desperation and the fear like uh, that the museum of brundle like how could you love somebody through that like jesus christ like (laughs) Yeah. People get divorced over like you liked somebody's picture on Instagram. Yeah. This woman stood by a guy whose body parts were falling. <laughs> and and if you think about like in terms of their relationship too, it's not it's a new relationship. So they they really were like star-crossed lovers, you know. So they really committed think, back then. <laughs> I do think that is really, really, really important to understand how good the fly is as yeah, a film absolutely. and the the caliber of acting and storytelling that is going on in that film i think that's really really important to know when we talk about the fly 2 as to why the fly 2 is really kind of 100% dis- disliked and people people think it's it's not a good film. Um, and I think we're both going to make the argument that it's a perfectly good film. It's just not at that that level. The bar you know? was too damn high. Yeah, exactly. So, um, with all that in mind, I'm just going to 
talk about how we might have seen all this before. So, the fly too. In the film, a scientist decides that he needs to try and hop in a telepod and try and figure out how to get from point A to point B and uh People get melted and bodies get mutilated and people fall in love and it's fucking messy as fucking blah, blah, blah. You've seen it all before. So, before we dive into the nitty gritty, I am finding myself in need of a beverage. So, before we go any further, we're going to swing by the bar and drop on in to Johnny's Well. I am a bartender. Uh, that is my trade. So uh, I got to ask you, Kelvin, what are you drinking tonight? Well, I'm missing one key ingredient, but my beverage of choice, and I actually hosted before I moved from California to Lake Havasu City, Arizona. I had a fly party in which, you know, I'm 41. A lot of my coworkers you were younger. Are not 41, I am 41 That's years old, sir. For you, pal. You don't, you do not look, God, you don't look a day over 34. Ooh, I like it. Um, so I held a, a party in which I hosted a horror movie viewing for my younger coworkers who know nothing about nothing. And my movie of choice was The Fly. For the party, a flyer. And um, I made a beverage, a signature beverage, which is an easy peasy beverage. I'm a rum guy, typically. Um, I like to do a lot of seltzers. I drink a lot of fireball. I'm a basic bitch. Um, but for my fly beverage, it is a white Caribbean rum. You can use Bacardi. You can use whatever. It's got to be a white rum. And then um, it's almost like a Faderade recipe. But there are two different kinds of Gatorades you can use. I call it the vomit drop. It's just Caribbean white rum, uh, you know, three... There was an awesome Gatorade blend that came out last summer that was called like fruit, summer fruit something, and it's green. It's like, it's ecto-cooler green. It's green. The key ingredient is green. Just get yourself any kind of rum and a little bit of green, and you have a fly drop cocktail. This is the same cocktail minus the green. I only had a mango blend tonight. I could not find the fucking Gatorade out here. I need to You're find a specialty right store. Yep, Arizona, Lake Havasu City. Yeah. Um, it's cool in Arizona, from what I understand. So, <laughs> except for the astroturf on my lawn and this in the background, actually, the palm trees in my community look good. <laughs> I like it out here. It's a slower pace, but what are you gonna do? But yeah, the vomit drop 
Caribbean rum or any kind of silver rum mixed with any green beverage of your choice. The greener, the better, but it's got to be a three to one ratio. Some people like their fruit beverages. The other one you can use, it's not as green, is the Gatorade Cucumber Limon flavor, which I love as well. Um, but that's my beverage of choice for this movie. I like that. Um, yeah, my wife is a big, big, big fan of that uh, cucumber limode uh, Gatorade. She, she so good. Crafted her own cocktail, which which would suit this uh, this particular uh, question. She does like a cucumber jalapeno tequila with a spritz of lime, that Gatorade, and a tahini rim. So you get kind of like the the red and the green kind of, you know. Uh, nice. A little membrane quality to it at the yeah, top yeah, there. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's probably better than what I had because I was just being a, a lazy, lazy ass. when I was like, ah, I'll just do a fucking Midori Sour. Midori's green. And it's, yeah. uh, uh, Midori it's Sours are delicious. They're great. I mean, I mean if, if you take. Sugar, but they're delicious. If you take a Caribbean rum and a little bit of orange pineapple mango juice blend, like the Dole blend, and just mm -hmm. bloop, like two drops of green food coloring, oh, yeah. you'd be in business. Dude, you just fuck the, fuck the food coloring. Just do a couple of drops of Midori, and then you have like a very, very tropical – because rum blends well with damn near anything. Rum, especially, uh, especially silver rum, it just it, – it just – is smooth and it goes well with anything. So I like where so, your head's at. So your next shift is gonna be Johnny's special, the vomit drop. Nobody's gonna order it, <laughs> or you call it the Brundle fly. I I like well so every now and then people come up. Or, or you call it the fly guy, and then nobody knows. This is a little green, cute, fun drink. Nobody knows. You know, but they don't. Yeah, you know, your average person is not going to think that. You know, I do like the idea of just, you know, making someone a delicious beverage and then having them ask what it is and then being like, oh, it's a vomit drop, you know? Um, That's cool. So, you know, we're sitting here at, at the bar. Um, we got a really handsome bartender making us cocktails, but we're getting a little bit hungry. I got to ask you, do you... Maybe I'll backtrack just a minute here. I really like to to eat when I'm watching movies. Like it's kind of my favorite thing. Like I don't like eating unless I'm watching something. I, I like a TV show. Joe Bob's really good because Joe Bob has about he'll show like a really disgusting horror movie, but he'll have like a 30 minute intro so I can enjoy my meal before things yeah. start getting gross. I don't okay. like to eat while I'm watching you know, discussing happening on screen because <laughs> my brain associates one with the other. My wife... No, no, no human centipede while eating pudding? No? <laughs> it's not ideal. My wife, on the other hand, will, like, watch Dr. Pimple Popper and, you know, yeah, eat pudding. And I'm like, that's that's just absolutely horrendous. Um, we do. Uh, Kelvin, do you think this is a, would you consider The Fly to uh, an eating movie, a movie that you would enjoy a meal with? I don't recommend it. It depends on your stomach. Um, out the gates, the meal, just right? without knowing any stomach issues or how you deal with food or puke, I'm just going to say, no, 
don't eat while you watch The Fly what? because you're not supposed to eat while you watch any film. Cool, that's trying to live up to the expectations of a Cronenberg film. So don't, yeah. <laughs> don't do it. I mean, you sure you Skip don't it. just like want to eat like a big bowl of oatmeal when you see, uh, you know, Bartok crawl out at the end there? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not really into milk either watching this film or like, <laughs> no, <laughs> not having it. Uh, that's fair. I guess uh, we might have spoiled our appetites, but we're, we're good and liquored up. So I think it's about time that we... Dive on into the good stuff. You mean uh, 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 dive into the uh, 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 plasma pool, so to speak? Yes, yes, yes. We must, we must go into the plasma pool with my son. Yes, yes, yes. yes. He's my son. I'm dead. I'm not here. I'm not here. I'm not in this film. My own million flashback. Uh, uh, <laughs> life uh, uh, finds a way. Finds a way. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> glad that we both got to to do our our Jeff Goldblum impressions. Oh yes, yes, yes. Very very nice, very nice. If only <laughs> we could play the piano like him. <laughs> I'm trying to think. Have you done out of your um your deep fakes? Have you done a Jeff Goldblum one? I I, I did one long ago, and it was before like deep fake was like good good. It was when you were using like face swap, so you yeah. like took a picture of them. So it's very like, it's like Nintendo sixty four Jeff Goldblum, <laughs> and he's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But I did one for him, Rocky. Um, I did Robert Shaw from Jaws, which I know I've sent you, yeah. which I loved. Um, but yeah, yeah, no, um, I love Jeff Goldblum. I've always adored him. Earth Girls are easy, loved. Jurassic Park Love, The Fly, obviously in my top three horror movies of all time. Um, Steve Zissou, like Jeff Goldblum can do no wrong. Yeah, no wrong. The, man, the man definitely kind of like found his his niche for sure. If I could see him in horror again, oh, I'd be so happy. That, I, I will say, you know, before... You should we, dip a toe. We, we go too much further in, yeah. Unfortunately, I do feel like in this day and age, he, he's probably become a caricature of himself. Um, yeah, a little bit. I could see that. Um, I don't think he his performances. I I think he's a great actor. I think particularly with um, Jurassic Park and a personal favorite of mine, The Lost World. I, I think he's really, really good in The Lost World. I don't think he gets enough credit for how good he is in The Lost World. Um, a little underrated. Uh, but, yeah, he, I don't think I, I don't think he, he ever gives a better performance uh, than The Fly, you know? And, so good. So uh, good. But, uh, yeah, speaking of good um give me the good stuff man what uh what are some of the things that you like about the fly too well uh, my first and foremost which i think adds so much gravitas to the film is the score by christopher young from hellraiser like 
this haunting under looming like sense of darkness and sadness in the score which kind of counteracts one of my shittier things later but um but i love the score i think it's beautiful i love christopher young as a composer hellraiser that music everything he's done is just beautiful and haunting and i love him as a composer um of course the effects are astounding you have the director chris wallace who did the effects and won an academy award for the first film doing double duty in a sense because not only is he directing in this sequel he is kind of And he had in actually creating creatures and stuff. He still ran the show for effects for the whole gig. Yeah. So and the effects are badass. And you know, it, um, those are two huge things that are a win for me: the effects, um, the score, and the gore. Yeah. So he stepped it up with this one. Holy shit! Did they step it up with the gore? And interesting little side note: it's like. Uh, turns out Mel Brooks, because Brooks Films produced the first one and one, and Mel Brooks was like, more gore, more gore, more guts. And that to me is awesome. Like freaking President Scrooge from Spaceballs is going, we need more blood, we need more blood in here. <laughs> I, well, you know, that's that's just one of the many, many things that, you know, to love about Mel Brooks. Um, and it is always one of those things I always forget. And then I'm like watching the credits to these movies. And then I see his name and I'm, I have to like do a double take. Nobody else is in the room, but I'm like, did you, did you, did you see that? Like, um, I gotta, I gotta double back though. Uh, so your, your main thing, uh, that you led with, uh, the score by Christopher Young, it was one of those things. I didn't put that in my goods, like in my notes. It was one thing that I, I had kind of like forgot about, but every time I had to watch this movie in a couple of sittings, just cause life, but life. I, I have the, uh, the scream factory, uh, Blu-ray. So every time I like hop on the main menu, it's got this big boisterous, like, Bum, bum, bum. And um now the the thing that kind of the thing that kind of stuck with me um when uh I first threw that on was that it it kind of reminded me of the the original score for the fly um and there was something about it that I was like, oh, yeah, that's, you know, that sounds really, really similar. But I was like, that it's it's not it's it's different. And I was like, what does that who who does that um, like, what does it remind me of? And I was like, God, I couldn't I couldn't I couldn't picture like figure it out. And I was like, it sounds so much like. Howard Shore's score from the original film um, just slightly tweaked. And the more I watched the it's film... It's in the I'm family. Like, 
It's yeah, in the family, it, you know? Really, really well done. Um, but then it, it clicked, and I was like, there, there were, like, cues, musical cues, and, like, just subtle things that I was like, oh, dude, that's Hellraiser. Like, and this is something I already knew from the previous watch. The first time I watched this film, I really ingested a lot of the behind the scenes stuff because I was really infatuated with, like, I was like, I don't understand. I don't understand. Like, you're like, how does this exist? <laughs> like, well, it's like, how does this exist? And hardly anyone talks about it. Like, it's such a black sheep. And we'll, we'll get more into that later. But the Christopher Young talking about black sheep, like, I, I feel like Christopher Young is such an underappreciated composer, particularly when it comes to horror movies, because this stuff just is so it's maybe not as standout as as other composers it just it just works everything that he does works yeah he's he's a gem he is a gem my good friend lito velasco has done a lot of fan film composing and feature composing as well he's a good actor great dude uh, but he did uh, the music and the score for the Leviathan, like the documentary on Hellraiser 1 and Hellbound. Right. He's done right. Never Sleep Again stuff. Like, And to be somebody that can hear and emulate that, it, and that's what I get from the vibes that you're talking about with uh, Christopher Young. He's emulating, he's hearing that, but it's his spin, and I love that. As a musician, I love that. Yeah, I mean not only did he do Hellraiser, he did this film, this film just, it just, again, the consistency, but the, the differences in the, the sense that it honors what came before, but it, it makes it its own thing. Um, Christopher Young also did the score for Sinister, which is fucking phenomenal. Crazy. Generated. And so one of my personal favorite scores that I cannot find anywhere which is uh, A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2, Freddy's Revenge he does the score for that which I think is fucking scary I love that movie score, I have it on digital um, yeah, I'll try to send it to you down. I'll try to send it to you yeah, I'll get um, you digital at least but yeah, beautiful yeah, I think so. once upon a time there was a good. Uh, you can sometimes find CDs on eBay and they are cheap because people are like, yeah, they don't know what they have. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I feel like now with horror merchandise being what it is and whatnot, and people were really kind of realizing, you know, how much people will pay for this shit. You know, I'm I'm sure it's it's gone up in cost, but. Um, I agree 100%. The, the score in this is, is really is doing, um, overtime to say the least. Uh, I, let's see, I got a, I got some good stuff here. I think, um, I actually think the acting in this film is pretty solid, um, for what is essentially a B horror movie. Yeah, I agree. Um, for the most I, extent, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, granted, it is a big budget 
B movie, but um, it, I don't. It, it might have even had a bigger budget than the first one, just by gauging from the the set pieces and whatnot. Um, I think Eric Eric Stoltz is very very good. I think Eric Stoltz tends to be very so good. good. So good. Um, he plays such a sympathetic um, protagonist. Vulnerability. Um, he holds that vulnerability and innocence to him. Yeah. He he literally seems like a child through the whole film. Yeah. Yeah. I just very good on him. And this is a funny little side note. Um, he got to be Marty McFly after all, but it was Marty McBrundlefly. That <laughs> uh, hit me too, dude. Like I kind of it was like the whole movie they're calling him martin they're calling him martin they're calling him martin and then at one point somebody calls him marty and i had to do again it was that double take um nobody like, else hear that i was like i had to double take scroby scroby the security guard scroby yeah, oh my true. god that character was the biggest douche and i thought when i saw that i was like wait is he fucking with him as an actor even like is he like Hey, Marty, because you didn't yeah. get Marty, so he's like pushing his buttons to get a better take or reaction. Like, oh, I would love to find out if Scroby was actually like, yeah, I was. I hated that kid. <laughs> I, uh, I, I got such a kick out of that, and yeah, there, there is just there is quite the irony. Uh, unfortunately, I feel like this film probably also didn't do a lot to help eric stoltz's career yeah um, but uh i think he delivers a really good performance i think him and daphne um how does one say her last name zanga 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 daphne zanga that's how i always said it she uh she's pretty good too i think they they have good chemistry she has this very interesting way of saying martin she Annunciate. Martin. 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 Um, which I was just like bothered by, but um, I believe them. I believe their romance. Not nearly the the same. In again, mm -hmm. compare it to the original. There's, that's where this film. There's that bar again. Yeah. Where's that bar again? You can we get here? <laughs> yeah. You, Exactly. There, you, yeah. You're you're fighting a losing battle at that point. That that was my one of my biggest shit moments of it was. And but and we'll get back we'll, to that. So. We'll we'll get there. You know, I think I think both you and I are will kind of elaborate elaborate on that a little bit. Um, I think everybody else in this film does very well what they are being directed to do, which is be fuck faces um everyone in this film that's that's kind of my next good good note is that like all of this film does a really really good job of setting up its villains just everyone's a fucking tool to martin Dude. Every, everyone that, them that like, chick with the needle always sticking yeah. in like yeah. everybody um, gets their comeuppance though yeah, and I, I think that's, that's a very fun way to go about this movie because the entire film, you're like, God, fucking kill these assholes. And then he kills those assholes. Um, yeah, that's the truth. 
do you have any other uh, any other big standout things before I kind of rattle off my last of uh, my last good stuff? I would like to talk about just a quick Easter egg. More time. Sleeping security guard guy. Mm -hmm. There's that one dude that's always just sleeping at the security patrol post. And there's one brief moment when there's a book on his desk and it's David Cronenberg's like film book. Um, God, what is it? Like something thing or fear, whatever. It's David Cronenberg's film book and it's on the desk. And I'm like, ah, oh, Chris Wallace, you're, you're paying homage. But I would have loved and like at the end of the movie, after all the chaos happens, if that dude just woke up, like, like that would be the Marvel post credit scene. Like that dude wakes up and is like, and he just goes home. He doesn't know everybody. He doesn't know about a dude getting smashed in the elevator or anything. He's just like, oh, honey, another boring day at bar talk. Yeah, just go in every day and sleep. Very uneventful. Uh, I, uh, I like that. I uh, in in regards to that that climax though, that is one of like my my big like really good things about this film is that th this this film has such a payoff. Because um, I will would argue that there there might be a little bit of pacing issues. Uh, in the early stages yeah. of the film. Yeah. Um, but the ending where just everyone gets fucked, man. Everyone just gets absolutely obliterated. Uh um, slow pop moment for me. It, it just yeah, <laughs> absolutely. It it just makes everything that came before it so worthwhile because you just get this this gratification. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I got a. Um, I don't know when or at what point or when you want to address the elephant in the room, which we all know what it is, and we all know what even horror fans hate to see in horror. When do we yeah, talk we're, about we're gonna, that? We're going to talk about that in the shit. Um, there you go. Um, but just uh, just checking. Just just uh, <laughs> not to bury the lead or anything. Uh, but uh, in in you know congruency with with that the 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 very end of this film um is it while it does kind of leave you with this sick feeling in your stomach there is kind of like a slight hooray but also at the same time you're like god even that even even that ending for that villain might be too much. Like I, I honestly don't know. There, there, are, like Hitler. That that's a good ending for Hitler, right? Yeah. Okay. But this this guy, that awful human being. But I'm like, dude, that's that's fucking a rough. Also, like, they're like looking down. Like studying him, I'm like, dude, just put the fuck out dude, of the deck There's and like, nothing to learn. And like that boss, you guys should have gave me a raise, you prick. <laughs> like, who's paying them at this point? 
you're you're putting your boss in a pit and who's now yeah. the new ceo like yeah. oh no we're keeping the boss down there yeah and if you guys step out of line that's gonna be you you fucking <laughs> you're gonna keep working for free uh farm talk oh, industries will put you into the pit <laughs> yeah i i like there's definitely a love hate thing going on with me in that ending because i think it's just so fucked up and as a horror fan like i'm like yeah, yeah man that's all right they crazy. gave it to me fucked up um but <laughs> yeah, it's I'm, like, I'm like as every time it ends i'm just like oh fuck man just kill the poor bat just oh fuck <laughs> but, well to be honest he did say that his dog died a quick and they made it as painless as possible for him. Did he? No. He kept him alive. Yeah. So. A long time. And yeah. so they made it as painless for him as possible. Yeah. <laughs> Which in conferred of him licking oatmeal out of a cup. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, Again, just kind of like side by side with that. Uh, yeah. We'll round this out. The effects in this film are really, really fucking good. Like they are very good. Uh, when the bodies start dropping, like they they fucking start popping, man. The the shit is just explosive. The gore is just all over the place. It it is a messy messy film of course it had a lot to live up to and to go they, he, he chris wallace took it to that alien queen level of the fly and i love that yeah he said no go bigger yeah. and the iridescent like blues and the colors that they use like brundle fly was all brown and kind of mucky and humanoidy looking still but this was like you are more insect than man and it was fucking terrifying um yeah how do you feel about the design of the fly in this one it, it it's very it's much more i would say kind of like 1950s nuclear monster-esque right yeah very mutant this island earth-esque vibes coming from this guy um but i like it um i like the clasping like tentacles the mandibles i like that he's um and chris wallace talks about how he spent a lot of time on the eyes to where they tried like almost human eyes to less human eyes and they finally settled on that kind of amber where it was like just enough emotion and like a sentient being versus like just like the yeah. 50s version where it's insect eyes and like very like there's no soul like so that that's a challenge um i love all the colors that they use and the fact that most of that is practical effects is just like yeah i, I will never complain i'm just i'm i'm still blown away and i love watching it and I like the way the legs and the backward walking like that. It's almost like that bipedal werewolf thing. I, I love that. And I will never not be entertained by that. No way. I'm I'm a 100% fan. I think you made the right choice to go bigger and weirder and more insecty. And uh, I wish more people were on board and knew about it. Yeah, I agree. I'm right there with you. Um. Well, I think that's going to about do it for the good stuff, so...
now it's probably time to talk about the shit. The shit. Uh, what didn't you like about this movie, sir? What are some What are some negative things? The book? first thing comes right out the gates. My first gripe about this film comes from the youngest version of Martin Brundle. Mm-hmm. Not a fan of that kid, huh? No, and that's it's hard for me. Like. Cool. Yeah, you want a cute kid, but like, okay, hey, here's a curly-haired little ginger kid, and then we're gonna swap over to a dark-haired kid, and then we're gonna swap over to obviously hair-dyed freaking yeah. stoltz. And it's, it was just like, and what purpose did it serve? And why was he picked? And even Chris Wallace in like the behind-the-scenes comments on like this kid was very difficult and it was almost impossible to get him to focus for like 10 seconds and Bartok the actor that played Bartok was the only reason they got any good takes because he kind of like was interested in whatever he was doing but that kid annoyed the shit out of me my other second biggest gripe was aside from the brilliant uh, Christopher Young score all the music in the movie is like dog shit it's like country like 80s like late 80s early 90s country songs by nobody artists it's like the music director was like you know my brother jimbo has a country band can we put a couple of their songs in the soundtrack and they were like yeah sure and it just feels out of place like the whole romantic montage that was a big thing that stuck out to me i was like what is this fucking music that they're playing yeah like you could have thrown any music from the like if you could have got one good pop song and put that in that scene, it made people feel good because just the fact that they knew that song and that song already made them feel good, they might have been like, Oh yeah, they're in love because that song makes me feel like I'm in love. But instead they just threw honky tong, generic background song. Also, what is up with the fucking fishing references? Like Okay, I get it. We're watching the fly, but there's all this fly fishing shit, and she lives on a houseboat, and it was all this like, what, why, why, who? So I think somebody had a cousin or a brother or uncle or sister that was in a country band, and they tried to talk to the producer and squeeze it on in there, and then somebody else on the production crew really liked fishing was like, we should work some fly fishing references in because it's the fly too, and we like fly fishing. And that's two major grabs. Other than that, um, I, I I miss the chemistry between Gina Davis and Jeff Goldblum for sure. But like you said, it's high expectations, and that's a lot to go. Daphne Zanga, I think, carried it as far as romantic chemistry, and the sex scene is very obvious of that as well. Um, Eric Stoltz look like, which may be a character choice. Like he's innocent and a little boy, so he doesn't know how to make love. But everything he's doing with his hands, it was like watching the scene from the original Terminator with Kyle Reese and Sarah Connor, except Kyle Reese didn't know what to do with his hands. He's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah and no, knowing Eric, Eric Stoltz, that probably was a character choice because that guy, was- yeah method so um 
that uh, I think was like he's dead or something. Eric Stoltz is still with us, ladies and gentlemen. Um, yeah. uh, but but he's uh, a dead fuck, Ted. Ted, he's a dead fuck. <laughs> dead fucks. Um, oh. Yeah, no, I I can see that. I mean, like I said, that they have perfectly fine chemistry. It's just kind of a little bit more like teenagers rather than adults. I I think yeah. in in regards to the. Uh, Jeff Goldblum, Gina Davis, you know, romance. Um, I think it might have been a smart choice too. Like, hey, we don't, we know these guys aren't going to have it like these guys have it. Yeah. So let's make it a footnote. And we'll, yeah. It, I, we're not going to get it. So, really, why try that hard? <laughs> yeah. It's certainly not the driving force of the film, uh, like in the original, by any means. It is definitely kind of like a, a side thing for sure i would say um i think for me uh like i said basically i only cry when the dog dies in this one otherwise i'm good yeah we're we're, we might as well just talk about that now that is the scene that i was like god i was like oh they just i was like they just zap the dog in and he's he's he attack someone right and it's no good and then i thought about it i was like oh no they keep them alive i forgot like i'd only watched this film one time beyond this this rewatch and and i dude i just forgot and i was just like dude, i have a dog uh i love my dog so naturally as you do <clears throat> you put your your own you know session yeah. so that whole scene is very very everything involving the dog is really really hard for me to watch and i mean obviously it is supposed to be you're that scene that makes you that justifies bartok's demise or or comeuppance rather um yeah it's it's it really makes this this film one that i'm like Every time I think of it, I'm just like, uh, I don't know. Uh, nobody it. wants to watch it. Nobody wants to watch that shit. Yeah. yeah. That's um I just lost a pet a couple of weeks ago, and that shit sucks. So yeah. it was a rough watch, and I was like, oh man. All right, I'm gonna do this, but um, it's a very like I am legend moment. Uh-huh. Well before that, like to see and Eric Stoltz just that that scene in particular, like that is that's rough. Like I, if I was an actor, I would carry that shit with me for a while. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, it's no nobody wanted to see that. Yeah. And, and the dog recognizes him and he's wagging his little sappy tail like, oh, man. What do they, they call him? Timex. Yeah. Keeps a licking. Oh, it takes a lick and keeps on ticking. Oh, man. When he said that, I was like, oh, I wish we would have got to see that guy get melted in some yeah, vomit drop. That, that's not, that's like, anybody who has that that demeanor towards an animal in in pain like fuck that guy and it's not just, yeah. it's not just that they kept the dog alive it's the conditions in which they kept the dog alive where you're like dude yeah, like, what the fuck man 
like yeah this, this billion dollar fucking uh like warehouse you know system thing with all these different levels and you couldn't just make that that animal comfortable yeah like what can you get help this guy like hey, is it too much for a dog bed you fucking pieces of shit your whole facility looks like top-notch, state-of-the-art everything, which, by the way, that set and that fucking facility, the Bartok facility, that, like, rivals, like, the shit in, like, RoboCop, like, uh-huh. this very futuristic, dope set, huge soundstage. I guess it was filmed on a barn or some shit, yeah. but they did a lot of construction to make that shit look legit, and... The fact that that pit was like dungeon esque, it was deliberate. You know, is deliberate. It was like, yeah, we want to make this look like this is yeah. fucking horrible. Yeah, so that, that is just one of those things where you're just like, yeah, I get it. I get what, why it's in the film and what its purpose is. But fuck me if it doesn't just kind of. I don't know, man. It fucks with me. It does. It's just a very unhappy, unpleasant thing to to watch when. Usually, yeah. oddly enough, I watch horror movies to make me happy. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> and same uh, for me. It's like I, I like to watch them because it makes me feel like it could always be worse. Yeah. You could always be in that telepod. You could always be getting turned into Mr. Tuskegee. You could always be in the bottom of some pit putting lotion on your skin again. Yeah. Just. That's what makes me go, all right, yeah, work sucks sometimes. I don't have enough money, but I'm not in a pit. I'm not putting lotion on my skin. I'm not on a hook. I'm not being grinded up by a chainsaw, you know? <laughs> See? 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 Um, yeah, and, and just the last couple of things that we kind of, like, you know, already covered. There There's some slight pacing issues. It takes a while for this film to get going. It, it, it really, really does. Yeah. Um, the it starts off scene. right out the gate, though, with that yeah. freaking birth scene, birth scene which yeah. actually Gina Davis was approached by Chris Wallace, and he's like, would you do it? She's like, absolutely, but I will not do a birthing scene. And he's like, oh, you, you got me. That's what I wanted you to do, because that was very traumatic for her. So yeah. she was down, but... Only yeah. on the condition that yeah. that was not it, and that's what they wanted her for, so they got the lookalike or whatever. Yeah, but it starts off it. gross and creepy and ew, and then it's yeah. slow, 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 and slow. Then you too have the dog bit, and then it finally, when it does kick in in the last twenty minutes of the film, like it's it's everything that you wanted. Um, whereas the yeah. plot is just a slow progression of dread because you just know that. Yeah. Something bad is going to happen, and then when it does happen, and to see the results of that progress throughout the film, it, it's just so. Again, you find yourself comparing it to the original, which is, in my personal um, opinion, this film's greatest flaw. Uh, it's it has to live up to the original, which it simply cannot do. No, it's uh, real hard. But and it's uh, not one of those French. I, I, oh man, this one's ripe for the picking. Like, give me, give me that sequel reboot for this shit. Like, give me some more Brundle continuity, you know? Like, what are you doing, Fox? You're milking the predator and aliens over here. Like, give me some Brundle. 
People wouldn't watch more Brundle. What's it going to cost you? Go the Blum route route. Fucking throw a couple fucking G's at the thing and see what sticks at the wall. Yeah. It's going to stick. I just think, I think this film really was such a huge fucking nail in a big fucking coffin. Like, I really do think that they, they thought they had a hit on their hands and it, it just, really sunk sunk this ship which and Uh, it's three years after the first one so it's like you had a little time to kind of it's not like you just were like yeah oh strike what they they tried i don't know the the original film is just not a a flick that really is screaming for a sequel it's just not you know i mean same could be said for the originals from the 50s, like the first one you get, Vincent, yeah. very prominent. And then in the sequel, it, it was like you went backwards, the budget got cut, like, oh, we're not in color, we're back and white. And then, like, now we're gonna do another one, and the budget's gonna be less. It's yeah. like one of those just cash grab, milk it, milk it, milk it. But now enough time has passed, I'm ready to see. I can go for it. I'll watch it. I'd rather watch a Fly reboot than another freaking Texas Chainsaw reboot, to be honest. Uh, Yeah, well, they they really can't seem to figure that one out, which is unfortunate because I feel like it's it's a pretty simple formula, but they just always seem to muck that one up. Yeah. Uh, Come close. They come close, but at least they're spitting them out. Like, I'd rather watch... A couple shitty Friday the 13th did not have any. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's what we did in the 80s. We just kept making them. Oh, it was as good as... Like, just give me... Just keep going until yeah. no one wants them and then stop and do something else. Don't keep going back. Go back and redo. I mean, uh, like, in regards to Texas, like, I... I think that netflix one had some really good scenes in it um and then it was just a film that like i was just like oh god they they fucked it up it's no good and then the last 10 seconds of the movie happened and i was like yeah okay that that made that movie right there i was like that that's a better i would argue that that's a better ending than the original film i'm just like dude that is Fucked right there. Had the rest of the movie been on that level, like you would have a fucking masterpiece on your hands. Um, Never know. But uh, that's for another time, another podcast. Um, any other random thoughts in regards to this film before we jump on over to the rewatch? No, I, I really can't think of anything else other than the Bartok situation like why are those dudes watching him when he's like down in the pit like wasn't that your boss did he have a boss and he's like yeah that's cool we can put the old CEO just down in the pit but don't worry yeah, we'll cover I'm- all that in the press release like I'm, I have questions how did they get over what, that what are they studying anyways like yeah, yeah. he's 
like I feel are you like studying I'm teleportation or gene mutation? What is the Bartok Institute? Yeah. What, you what is there to learn from watching this guy slurp fucking muck <laughs> on the ground? Like, if anything, yeah. he should be in a lab being dissected. <laughs> like, huh? Yeah. He's yeah. the best scientific breakthrough in you. <laughs> so what it is, dude. Like they, they don't. <laughs> Um, the other thing that I was going to talk about, what was it? I don't know. Um, I know Frank Darabont wrote the script, and so that's what kind of got the ground rolling, a, which is fucking a, bonkers. Excuse me. He had a stab at it, yeah. Um, Mick Garris wrote the first script, and then Frank Darabont did a pass, and a couple other guys yeah. So it really is kind of you know a hodgepodge of different ideas. Um, Mick Garris, the kickball kick of horror. I love Mick Garris too. So yeah, cool. um, I like him too. He but he he does not like this movie and is kind of ashamed of it, which I'm a little bummed out about because I I do think that uh, and I've heard what his original idea was and I'm not as big a fan of that. It sounds like he was trying to go maybe a little bit too. Um to i don't know prestige horror with it maybe trying to follow a little bit too out there he would have he would have been great in this day and age with the the woke horror but but back then they were like yeah i think i think what they really wanted to do was you know follow the formula carbon copy more slashers more stabbings yeah a lot more gore um all right. Well, uh, that'll kind of wrap up. Uh, I love this film. I adore this film. Um, I think it's well active, performed. It's good stuff. I recommend it. Yeah. Um, Kids need to watch it. Uh, so let's uh, jump on over to our next section. Go ahead and give me that rewatch. So, uh, Kelvin, if you were going to show someone who's never seen this picture before one scene uh your youtube scene we'll call it what scene would you show them oh god that's such a hard question but i would probably say like i remember the old fox trailer for it like for the movie night this saturday and they showed like Eric Stoltz, like on the blue light of the fly zapper, and he's like, "I'm getting better." I think that is a good starting point, but I'm not super big on the makeup. I guess I would just go straight into the bonkers gore. I would probably show them any scene where the big major Martin Brundle flies on a rampage. Just give them a little taste of the good gore and say. This is what, because that's what you're waiting for in this movie. You're not going into it wanting to watch Martin, uh, Martin be all sappy and uh, the romance. Like you're coming for the fly too. You saw the effects in the fly one. You're hoping it rings close. So I'd lead out the gates with full blown Martin Brundle fly vomit dropping, grabbing dudes, elevator smashing, like whatever quick smash them up slasher thing that's what i would lead into to watch this if i wanted to sell it because <laughs> if you've sat with me that long you know why you're here here's what i'm showing you this it's not yeah. for this 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 but it's for this 
I uh, I agree. My pick for this scene was the actual scene that made me want to watch this movie because I saw it posted on the internet so many times on Instagram, which was the face melt. Um, I just saw all so that. I just saw that posted on Instagram so many times on different accounts. I was like, dude, that what is that? Looks like it'd be worth the price of admission. So. Yeah, I love that. It's very poltergeist-esque as well. It's like, like if yeah. if my face is sprayed with acid and melting off, I guarantee you the first thing I'm not going to do is go yeah. and peel the rest of my face yeah. off. But that's exactly what you get, and that is a perfect scene to say, hey, watch this movie because you're going to see more shit like this. Just show them that clip, and then you know you're either in or you're out based on that that clip. Alone. Yeah, if you can handle that, the rest is mild pain. <laughs> so, um, right alongside that, what 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 would you say is your your favorite scene in this in this movie? Um, oh gosh, I really enjoy the moment when um. Martin breaks through that glass and they shoot that little dummy giant fly thing out that glass. It makes me think of the original, like his father jumping through that glass and kind of breaking down. It was like, th that's a good like trailer almost esque moment. But I, I really enjoy when he breaks through and he's like, Oh, they think they got him. And he's like, nah, bitch, you ain't got me. And yeah. then, the elevator elevator scene is so good elevator kill is so good like and the fact that they sent that to the ratings board and were like no it's too you can't do that and all they did was just add more time between the smash and the effect so like they didn't cut any of the gore but they did like the Austin Powers route where like that dude's on the forklift, like, no, ah, ah, ah. like, okay, cool. Like if that was real life and if you just added more time to somebody like, no, no. And then you still showed him get smashed to oblivion. You still showed a graphic death. Like yeah. this doesn't make it better. So that, that moment for sure. For it sure. is for those those bits where I'm like, oh yeah, here comes the head, here comes the head. And like that guy had time to get out of that situation about three different times. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's still sitting there. Uh, but it doesn't take away from it. It's such a good yeah. kill still. I love it. It's one of those those wonderful like 80s death scenes where you're like, oh, Oh, but, don't let me lay my head right here in the perfect yeah. one of the elbow. No, <laughs> time to get smushed. Um, <laughs> I think uh, honestly, I think my personal favorite scene that I really liked. I really liked it the first time I watched it, and I really, really liked it this time around. Because, like, again, I've only seen this movie one time. I saw it for the first time last year, and like, was quite taken oh, with it. But I hadn't put it on since. Uh, the the scene in the motel room. I actually really like that scene. I kind of get what you're saying as far as the uh, the makeup and whatnot, but I like that it's just so dimly lit and there's something very eerie about it. Like up to this point, we've we've seen Martin only be a hero. Um, yeah. Where with with Seth, you could see 
bits of him kind of fighting, going back and forth, going back and forth. And it very much reminds me, and I'm sure that was absolutely what was in their, their brain of the insect politics speech. Yeah. Um, There's just something very, very sinister and foreboding about that scene because you know that Martin's. I do like that scene. um, And that, and he does kind of turn into this monster. Um, Unlike, unlike Seth, he is eventually saved, but upon first watch, like you don't know, you assume that this guy's going to essentially become a villain and not just hurt bad guys, but hurt good guys too. Um, so I really do like that scene. I, I think it's a great uh, precursor to all the violence that um, is to come. And it's, it's just creepy to me. I, I really like that, that bit. And I think maybe too, maybe the reason that Martin's transformation is a little slower and a little, he seems to be more in control of that insect nature for a lot of the onset. And obviously I think that leads to, he's a hybrid of a hybrid. So yes, Brundlefly was part human, part fly. Now he's part human, part fly, but also part human from his mom. So hence everything like is different, the dynamics have changed. Yeah, so he's more, which maybe is why the whole Bartok melding thing works out better in the end and is easier than in the first one. But uh, it's ultimately satisfying. The last thing I want to talk about that is funny is when um, (laughs) um, Daphne runs up to him at the end, like after they come out of the pod, like, these are two gross, disgusting blob-like creatures, and you just knew Martin, like the one in the back, yeah, the one in the ass end. Yeah. That's my guy. I know. Let me just start ripping this flesh off him. And how did you know that that flesh was ripable? Yeah, yeah. you could have been tearing his flesh from his body. But anyway, cool effect. I, Looked that, cool. That Looked the, gross. The movie's <laughs> over. We're wrapping things up. So I guess you know my suspension of disbelief. But it is one of those things. I'm like, how? Yeah. Did they get the percentage yeah. right and everything? Like, how does he know exactly how much yeah. of a needed to go back to himself? Like, would yeah. look like a different person? Yeah. And we never we never see him with the goop clean clearly cleaned off. We just get yeah, Bartok so, as a dog creature. Going on there. Um, it's like, hey, we know we know he's better than this guy. Happy yeah. ending. Goodbye. <laughs> Slightly better situation. It's just his just his bottom legs are just all mush. Um, uh, what out of out of ten? What would you rate this as far as rewatch value? The 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 ability to go back and throw this on at any given point in time. Uh, out of it's 10, pretty. It's as much as I love it. It's pretty low. Um, I think being kind is a three. Um, yeah. I rewatch it a lot but a lot in comparison to what I actually watch a lot. Like um, one year I kept track of how many times I watched the a nightmare on Elm street films just for fun sake. Like, Oh yeah, it's a comfort film. How many times did I throw it on this year? And the numbers were like astronomical, like even nightmare uh, never sleep again. The nightmare on Elm street documentary, which is like six hours plus long. I watched that thing like 30 times one year. Jesus Christ. So, uh, 
<laughs> I'm a little bit different when it comes to rewatchers. Um, but you know, the fly two probably maybe once a year, which yeah. is very low. So I'll say a three on the rewatch. I will I rewatch it? Absolutely, yes. But you know, compared to what I watch again and again and again and again, no, it's not there. It's not there. Yeah. And I mean it's also like it's also like also the dog. I can't watch that. (laughs) I can only watch that dog go once a year. Yeah, and I mean it's not it's not just like it is isn't I don't when I think about the rewatch like Jaws, for instance, I only watch Jaws once a year. Like I make a point to only watch Jaws once a year. If it's on, like I'll throw it on in the background, but I like to to start to finish have that viewing be an annual watch because it, it keeps it keeps it special it keeps it something to look forward to um i agree but there's like it's like how much fun is it to rewatch this movie like i think the exorcist is incredibly rewatchable as a film because it's a masterfully constructed film how much fun do i have consistently rewatching it not a lot. It's usually like a once in every couple of years thing because I got to be like in the zone to watch yeah. that fucking movie. It's exorcist time. I got you. Like in the zone. So like that I do consider, you know, when I'm when I'm talking about my my rewatch. Um yeah, I think I'm like at a 5 just based on like there there's some good performances. There's uh, uh, definitely an energy and a vibe about this film. I think also the fact that it is underappreciated makes me like want to appreciate it more than than your average person. And that that finale is just such it's just fucking it's king. Good. Like, it's dude, good. like I, I'm throwing this thing just to watch all these fuck faces get absolutely murdered. So yeah, I'd say yeah. I, I'm I'm at a five and if you're at a three that puts us probably at a at a, a four combined mm-hmm. for the rewatch value. Sounds about right. Um but uh that's gonna uh, do it for the, the rewatch. We're gonna jump on over to the Johnny Horror score. So uh if you will permit me uh, uh, a brief moment here. I'm just going to read a little bit about how this film was received. Please do. And Ooh, uh, exciting. We'll about, I don't. We'll I about don't know too much about critical acclaim. I didn't dive that deep, so this will be fun. Yeah. Um. So. Uh. The Fly Two grossed. Uh, Twenty million dollars at the U.S. box office and a further. 19 million abroad, resulting in a worldwide uh, total of about 39 million. Um, on For 89? Uh, let's see, when did this film come out? Yes. So, worldwide, it made just under 40 million dollars. Um, uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, the film holds an approval rating of 29% based on 17 reviews with a weighted average rating of 4.57 out of 10. On Metacritic, which assigns a normalized rating to reviews, the film has a weighted average score of 36 out of 100 based on 15 critics 
indicating generally unfavorable reviews. Um, Janet Maslin from New York Times gave the film a negative review, writing, the only respect in which it matches Mr. Cronenberg's fly is in the sheer repulsiveness since the film degenerates into a series of slime-ridden, glop-oozing special effects in its final half hour. Richard Harrington of the Washington Post offered a similar criticism, calling the film script flat and criticized the film's special effects as being clumsy. Author and film critic Leonard Maltin awarded the film his lowest rating, calling the film alternatively dull and messy, but mostly dull. Uh, David Hughes from Empire Magazine awarded the film three out of five stars rating. Whilst this fly is not as tightly scripted or keenly directed as its parent, it does have pace, breathless tension, and a sort of gross-out effects that rules out kebabs for some for some time after <laughs> that rules out kebabs for some time after the credits have rolled. That's kind of funny. <clears throat> um, <laughs> Uh, Ryan Lambie of Den of Geek wrote that while the film wasn't particularly clever as an exercise in pure claret-stained entertainment, it deserves far more credit than it frequently receives, um, which I would agree with. Um, so, uh, basically here at this stage in the game i just want to talk about our final thoughts and and rankings for this film what uh why don't you tell me overall how you feel about this picture as a film and as a fan of the original and believing it does keep with the spirit and it is made within the family of the fly, a la the cast and crew and people that were still involved producing wise, directing wise. Um, I, I it's up, it's above the five range out of a scale of one to 10, I think six or seven as a film for me, like that might sound high, but we'll justify it as a, like, a horror film and as a film for me like i give it a good solid high six um i think it's enjoyable it is gross it's not for everybody it does have some pacing issues and some cast chemistry issues in my opinion but overall if you like the original and you've never seen this watch it you are going to be grossed out you're gonna be horrified Will it impact you as much as the first? Maybe not, but if you haven't seen it, you're still missing out. Um, yeah, I think I'm going to echo all those thoughts. Uh, I think it's, like I said before, its biggest flaw is being a sequel to what is probably in the the top ten, if not top five greatest yeah. um, horror films of all time. Um, uh, I think that it is aiming to try and be a B movie, which it absolutely is, but people yeah. were going in expecting a 
you know, um, highbrow film, much like the first, but a lot more on its mind. This film is pure entertainment. And in that yeah. regard, I think it succeeds. Um, I love the effects. Um, I really like Eric Stoltz. I think he's a, he's a, um, very good. Very good. Um, I think I do believe it is, uh, his name is Lee Richardson, who, uh, we don't really talk about, um, in depth, but as Anton Bartok, I, I thought he's, he's a, a very, Ooh, such a slam bag, really good. Subtle, but absolutely despicable villain. Um, the climax. Yeah, we didn't talk about Mathis either. Like, Mathis is fucking such a great. He's like one of the I, top I three douchebags in film of all time. Of his cameo in this. Um, yeah. I love that just, that just little bit that he's in. Um, when he says, but, he bugged me. <laughs> yeah, great. Great. He bit. bugged me. Great. I thought that I thought that line of dialogue was great. I like I said that his little cameo um doesn't it exactly make sense in context of what the characters are trying to achieve, but as far as yeah. the, the film is concerned, it's fun. Um, yeah. but uh yeah, that climax is is just worth the price of admission. And the 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 ending of the film is absolutely unforgettable and it will stick with you maybe not in the same just gut-wrenching way that the first one does but it will stick with you like the the ending in this film is is a particular brand of fucked up that i don't even know how to categorize it so um for to me, the I'm point where you uh you watch the movie and then you have to pop in her next girlfriend's house to shower because you felt kind of scummy. Yeah, that that. <laughs> well, uh, that that's that's, that's a fly that's, one uh, reference, kids. Deep cut. <laughs> uh, but got uh, him, nerd. Hey, you know what? With oh, welcome, you're you're welcome. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and give this a, a six out of ten. Uh, we're right there. It's yeah. it's up there, but it's not there. But it's up there. It deserves the credit that it is due. Everybody should see it at least once, and then they will know. Oh God, I'm never watching that again because everybody's gonna see the dog part and go, nope. Yeah, no, that's that's enough for me. One. Um, one one final uh, question in regards to the fly two. What would you double feature this flick with? If if not the original fly, which I'm going to go ahead and veto that and say you have to come up with something more creative. I would say um, Tusk. Tusk. I love the movie Tusk so much. Hashtag walrus. Yes. God damn. Do I love that film? I quote it all the time. Um, anytime my girlfriend sees a spider, I go, it was a spider. It was a brown recruit. <laughs> and she like hates it. And she knows exactly what I'm talking about. But yes, Tusk. Tusk is my, like right up there with the fly, like the body horror of it. Like there hasn't been a movie like the fly since Tusk. So yes, double feature watch tusk with the fly too please 
You want to see a guy turned into a walrus and fight another walrus? Yes. You watch the fight too and tusk. That sounds like a great double feature for me. That's great. That's fantastic. Um, well, that that'll be the the next uh, double feature at the the uh, Johnny Horror Drive-In. <laughs> it comes from the horror, the Johnny. Dude, it's been a blast. Thank you so much for having me. Like, I I love shooting the shit with you and talking film. And um, anytime you want to do another one, let's do it. I'm just going to throw it out there right now. Um, Next time we do this, let's do the remake of The Blob 1988. Yeah, I'm here for it. If you're down. Uh, Yeah, I, I, I think that's a that's a very easy film to talk about because uh that that was actually what i was thinking would be my double feature with this because it's just the kind of funny same thing with the kind of subverts expectations and just kind of leaves you feeling very gross at the end of it so yeah oh man that's a great double feature i'll watch that all day every day the fly two and the 1988 blob yep sign me up well, Good choice. Uh, choice. This is, this is a lot of fun, man. Um, thanks for thanks for suggesting. Yeah. Um, thanks for being down to to clown around with your boy. Um, anytime, uh, buddy. Anytime. We will absolutely do this again, really, really soon. But uh, I'm gonna be bugging you all the time. I'm just gonna keep sending the moves. Let's do the games. Do the games. Slide on games. into my DMs. Uh, <laughs> Well, you're the best, now, buddy. Uh, that's uh, that's gonna do it for uh, the Johnny Horror podcast. I am your host, Johnny mm-hmm. Horror. With me, Kelvin Cruz. Uh, you can find it. We salute you, Johnny Horror. At, uh, what is it? It's uh, Kelvin. Kelvin Kruger. Yeah, that's Kelvin Kruger on the Instagram. Uh, yeah. But uh, until uh, until next time, uh, you kids be good to one another, be half decent human beings, and uh, yeah, go fuck yourselves. Uh, be excellent to each other and enjoy your vomit drops. Adios. That's right. Gachos. Peace. Thanks, Johnny. Love you, buddy. Right back at you, pal. See you soon, man. Yeah.